This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online, and I went to see my doctor this past week. Well, actually, my nurse practitioner. She's she's not a doctor. She's not a nurse. She's a nurse practitioner, which is sort of a doctor and sort of a nurse, but more than a nurse. Well, can you say more than a nurse? No. Uh, nurses are super important. And less than a doctor? Can you say that? No. I, it's, you know, it's She's somewhere, you know, she's not, not the one, not the other nurse practitioner which there isn't a good name for a nurse practitioner you know what i mean you know when you when you you like a title even though there is that's the title nurse practitioner of course that's the title but when you go to uh, your doctor's appointment and you get the nurse first she brings you back or he brings you back and they check your weight and vitals and all that kind of stuff and they ask you about what's going on and they take some notes and you can call that person nurse right well, uh, well, nurse, uh, you know, thank you, nurse. You can say that, right? And then when the doctor comes in, when she walks in, you can say, hello, doctor, or he. And you can say, hello, doctor, well, doctor, I've been doing, you know, you've got that. You've got, but nurse practitioner is kind of, it's kind of clunky, isn't it? I mean, it's what the person is, but it seems like there should be a, 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 a more pithy uh, title. You know, NP, I suppose you could say NP, Nurse Prack. I don't know, Nurse Prack sounds like a name. You know, Nurse Prack, you know, emergency on floor eight, whatever they say in hospital lingo. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, so why did I go? Well, I had this, I've been, I've been having this pain in my left hand, uh, my thumb and wrist area. Uh, actually, uh, look at your hand, right? Look at your left hand. You're looking down at it. Look at it from the back, right? So, so the top of your hand, that is. Okay, so you got the you got that first knuckle of your thumb that comes off of the off of the palm back of the hand part. Okay, that's that's the that's the part that if you flip your hand over and look at the palm, it's got that big fleshy part right there. That's the bottom there. Well, that knuckle, that first knuckle, right there, and then okay, now flip your hand back over so you're looking at the top of it again. The pain would go from that knuckle just kind of down down that side of the hand to the wrist and the, but the pain would mainly center on that knuckle and it would be if I put my hand in a certain position or if I gripped a certain way uh, just get this pretty sharp stabbing pain just hey, ah, what is going on and I didn't remember hitting my thumb or twisting my hand or doing any kind of thing like that that would 
trigger of like you know, put a bruise in there or a sprain or something like that. I didn't I didn't remember doing anything of that nature. Uh, so you know this was I don't know Thursday of uh, you know the week before last week's sh- uh, show. You know, last week's show, show number 407. This is show number 408. Uh, well, the Thursday before that, I think I started noticing it. And then Friday, it was still kind of, eh, not so great. So at some point, I made an appointment. I, I went in on Tuesday or something. And uh, by that time, the pain had been subsiding fairly well, but it was still there. Still a little ache to the thumb move it a certain way sometimes and, and I still have it now still have this pain in there so I went to see her and uh, she uh, diagnosed it as uh, decurvaz or decurvans tenosynovitis uh, uh, tenosynovitis <laughs> or tenosynovitis I've seen it pronounced either way so this uh, decurvans or decurvaz is it's a swelling of this tendon that's in that part of the thumb and so she she says yeah it sounds like that's what that is and then I've come home and I've you know she gave me some paperwork and I went online and looked on the Mayo Clinic site and the and the WebMD and I got information there and it's, it seems that's what it it's like and and she gave me uh, some exercises that I can do the little stretching of my thumb that'll help maybe alleviate that stretch out that tendon so that uh, the swelling doesn't happen so often maybe I, I'm not sure but um, you know it was it was that but then she's looking at my hands she says that, now she said to me I could take an x-ray of it but she didn't think it was really necessary uh, she says um, what we can do is you know you take Tylenol or ibuprofen to deal with it when it flares up the pain flares up if it gets to be too bad there's injections that can be done and there's surgery that can be done uh but you know i said well i don't know if we want to go that crazy because right now it's actually doesn't really hurt that much it's sore but it's not it's not bad so she said yeah and then she looks at my hands she says well you know and i can see that there's you've got some arthritis going on in your knuckles and I thought, oh, really? <laughs> and uh, I said, it's interesting you should mention that because uh, not all the knuckles on my hands, but you know that the that first the knuckle that goes that's right at the tip, right right in front of your fingernail. Okay, those knuckles. Uh, not every finger of the hand, but a couple, three of them or so, will get sore. They'll like the middle finger on my left hand, uh, and uh, the. You know the pointing pointer finger on my on my left hand and, and on my right hand will get it where it'll just get sore right in there. Even my middle finger on my right hand too. And she says, "Well, you can see that there's um, there's some more flesh going on there. There's some there's some buildup happening in there. And I guess that's what arthritis is all about. It just kind of adds tissue or uh, to the joints. And so she says, that's that's what she's seeing there. And that's without even doing an X-ray." And I said, well, okay. So she said, she said to me, and she said this to me twice through our conversation. She says, well, you're just falling apart. <laughs> well, great. I, I know I'm in my 50s now, but I think she was, I think she was trying to, she was saying that sort of ironically, that, you know, it's not that bad, but, you know. So, I, so and she also put, pointed me towards some uh, 
YouTube videos of guys that do physical therapy that show you how to do certain things to help strengthen, stretch, you know, to deal with pain and just, you know, not have so much problems. And so I'll have to check that stuff out too. But, so that's, you know, that's why I went to the doctor. <clears throat> but I figured as long as I was there, I should get my shingles vaccine. Uh, about, I don't know, three, four years ago, something like that. I think I was, I'm pretty sure I was in my 50s at that point. So I'm 54 now. So it's within the last three, four years. The doctor that I had before, the nurse practitioner I have now, um, I was at getting my yearly physical. I asked about the shingles vaccine, and he, and he says, well, you know, says, well you're, um, normally, he said, at that time, said, normally we, were, we suggest that people get their shingles vaccine when they're in their 60s, but, yeah, there's been some suggesting that maybe we should say people when they're in their 50s should get it. So he says, yeah, maybe you'd be eligible for, you know, that might not be a bad idea. And then I told him that, uh, well, you know, I did have chicken pox as a kid, so you've had to have had chicken pox. You've got the virus in you. Uh, so, you know, if you have, uh, I mean, you can't get shingles from somebody um, if you if you've had if if you've had chickenpox, I mean it's not contagious sort of in that way, but you but if somebody gets chickenpox, they can eventually get shingles because that's the same sort of virus. It just shows up later, usually in your 70s or 80s, but uh, it can happen when people are younger. I've known people that are my age. My sister-in-law, who's about my age, she's had it, and people that. Uh, uh, the uh, the wife of a friend of mine that I went to high school with, she's had it. She's told me how bad it is. My but when I told the doctor at this time, he said my mother has had it three times, and he says, "Oh yeah, well you should mm, you know, check with your insurance company, see if you're covered for it because it can be pretty expensive." So okay, I'll do that. Well, <laughs> human nature being what it is, I didn't I didn't do it. Uh, didn't check into it. Didn't with the insurance company to see if I was covered. Um, so then I, I, it's, I have a vague memory that somewhere in the middle there I might have checked and found that I was covered and then I called the clinic to see if I could get it and they said they didn't have any so I have a memory of that but that might not be the best and memory's not videotaped so um, don't, don't quote me exactly on that but I do remember enough that when I, I knew I had this doctor's appointment coming, I said, this time I'm going to call the insurance company. I'm going to find out. Well, I found out that, yes, I am covered for it. It's preventative care. So, all right. So I go in. I say, I want to get my shingles shot. And so I got that. Now, it's, it, and, you know, the nurse gives me the shot. And she says, it's, you know, you'll, it's the normal kind of when you get a shot, you get that, you know, the, the, the pinch, the prick when the needle goes into you. You get that, which that happens no matter what shot you're getting. But depending on what they're injecting into you, sometimes the stuff can sting a bit more than other stuff. Like a flu shot doesn't really sting that much. Maybe a little, but not much. But this one had a little more kick to it. Not terrible, but just I could, ooh, I could, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, that stings a bit. But it was fine. Got the shot, my, and my shoulder is still sore <laughs> from, uh, from then. It's still, it's not terrible, but it's, you know, you, Press on it. You can feel the, the you can feel the area where it's still a little bit sore. But uh, the next couple of days after that, though, ooh, my goodness! I even went on Facebook and I said, "Hug me! I got my shingles vaccine, but don't hug too hard, because my my shoulder's sore." But then I remembered, what the hell am I saying? No, don't hug me. 
I don't need no hugs. I'm trying to cultivate this no hugging thing, but you know, sometimes I do hug, so yeah. You should ask my son how much I hug him. I, he just makes him sick. Anyway, um, I got the. I'm glad that I mentioned it on Facebook because I I have a Facebook friend who is one of the Minnesota skeptics, and she is a pharmacist. I think she may have just retired or is about to, but she, she's a pharmacist. And uh, she said, "Did they tell you that you need to come back in two to six months?" to get the second dose of it. And I don't think they did. If they did, I didn't remember it. And I said, well, I've got paperwork. I'll check it out. So I did. And yes, it says in there that I need to come back in two to six months to get the second dose. And then I've also found out that I, my procrastinating may have, you know, since I didn't get shingles in that procrastination period, uh, from when my doctor told me that, yeah, you should probably check into it, and, and, and to when I actually did check into it, uh, the, they've gotten a better vaccine. The one that they were using wasn't as, the coverage, the effectiveness of it wasn't great. It was, it's but better than zero. You know, it's like, when, like I talked about last week about the vaccine stuff, when I talked about that, and somebody said, you know, the, the, uh, the, the flu vaccine was only 50% effective. I think that was the number for the last couple of flu seasons. 50% effective, like scoffing that that's terrible. Well, 50% is better than zero. It's better. It's getting 50% protection is better than getting no protection. Isn't it? So anyway, uh, well, apparently this, this newer uh, vaccine is about a 90, 90% effective, which is really good. And so nothing's ever 100% effective and nothing's ever 100% safe, but vaccines are very effective and they're very safe. Most, you know, most vaccines, I mean, you know, uh, well, I talked about last week about the measles stuff. I do have a little more to talk about measles this week uh, coming up, but when I got the shot, yes, sore shoulder, but I had something else that I didn't, uh, that I have not experienced from getting uh, a vaccination. And that was, uh, I started getting uh, fairly mild, but they were there, uh, what I would call flu symptoms. Uh, I don't know if I got a fever or anything like that, but uh, got a bit headachy, a little foggy head kind of thing, and then some body aches and pains, a little chills a couple of times. And I was just like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> I would just take some Tylenol, and that, that helped. And then I just, I realized co cor correlation does not always mean causation. But in this case, you know, I just got the flu shot. Oh, not the flu shot. Just got my shingles vaccine. And within the, the next day, I'm getting these off and on flu feelings uh, for the next... It happened for the next couple of days. And then I've got a sore shoulder. But even with that, a little discomfort for a couple of days is better than getting, from what I understand, because people were telling me about how horrible shingles can be how painful it is my sister-in-law she said it was awful my mother said it was it was bad but she had fairly mild cases of it but uh, you know even a mild case for my mother her pain threshold isn't isn't massive but you know she's telling me how bad it was for her and it's just it's bad so even i'd gladly put up with a couple of days of a little discomfort sore shoulder and maybe feeling a little woozy as far as you know, maybe a headache or something like that. I'd rather deal with that than deal with shingles. So and so, get your vaccination. If you're check and see if your insurance covers it. Talk to your doctors and get your vaccinations and vaccinate your kids. Damn it.
as long as I'm talking about vaccination, I found out that there's another tack that the anti-vaxxers are taking. Uh, this is a, in an effort to say, oh, see, it's not that big of a deal. You know, the, 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 the vaccination people are just, they're, they're overselling it. They're making it seem so much worse than it actually is. And, we, you know, we'll just, it's not that bad. It's, it's just, it's not that bad. They, and they came up with a way to demonstrate how not that bad it is, which I will talk about when I come back from this break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I shall return after this break. I'll be hornswoggled. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. But we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Dimland Radio on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. So I was talking about the new, I don't know if it's how new it is, but it's a, another tactic that the anti-vax crowd are using to, to uh, tell the world that it's not that big a deal. Especially when it comes to measles, specifically measles, I should say. And what they're doing is, is they are, they're, they're um, telling people about an episode of uh, the sitcom from the late '60s into the '70s, the Brady Bunch. That's right. They're basing their "it's not so bad" on a sitcom, on the Brady Bunch. You know, the Brady Bunch, which really reflects reality. You know, if you put a lot of soap in a washing machine, your entire laundry room will be filled with soap suds. You know, that that kind of accuracy of real life. It, it's, that's, 
that's what they're pointing to. You know, the kind of accuracy that is, you know, if you want to get Davy Jones to sing at your at your school dance, all you got to do is show up to the studio and have him overhear you arguing with his manager, and he'll show up. Right. And I'm sure that I'm sure that will work for everybody. So Okay, so there's this article on uh, uh, on uh, NPR or NPR, which one? The National Public Radio or Minnesota Public Radio? I don't know which. I will link to it on the on the show notes, uh, which you can go to at uh, dimland.com. You can go on there and you can click on the blog option, and you'll get to the show notes. Uh, also, in, incidentally, you can get this show on iTunes. You can subscribe there, or you can follow on Podbean. And if you do on iTunes, you know. Nice rating would be cool. A five star rating and a and a nice review would help. Would be nice. Be kind of cool. It'd be you know you know I've only been doing this for a long time and you know anyway so get that out of the way. Well, so this article I'll read a little bit of it to you uh, um, from what uh, uh, they say about the the Brady Bunch and anti vaxxers as the this is from the article. As the number of measles cases nationwide rises to levels not seen since before the virus was declared eliminated in 2000, some people who uh, oppose vaccines cite an odd cultural reference as evidence that the concern about measles is overblown. A 1969 episode of The Brady Bunch. So they have... uh, 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 quote, you know, they talk about this episode where one of the kids gets the measles and they have to stay home from school, which is cool. Don't have to go to school. And 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 then it just snowballs through the kids. They all get the measles and they all get to stay home and it's kind of like having, I don't know, a little vacation. And they get to play Monopoly and they have a great time. And it's just, uh, sure, the measles are kind of annoying, but eh. And so there's a quote here from the show. Uh, if you get sick, sure can't beat the measles, Sister Marcia says, uh, as the older Bradys sit around the Monopoly board on one of the kids' beds. All the kids are thankful they don't have to take any medicine, or worse, get shots, uh, the thought of which causes Jan to groan. People who are critical of vaccines bring up the episode often. It's used in videos and memes and is and is cited by activists like Dr. Tony Bark. I wonder what kind of doctor she is. I didn't look into that. Hmm. I wonder if she's like a naturopath or something or a homeopath. Or I, she might actually be a medical doctor. It's possible. Who testifies against vaccines in courts and at public hearings across the United States? To them, it aptly illustrates that what they consider to be the harmlessness of the illness. Uh, you stayed home, like the Brady Bunch show. You stayed home. You didn't go to the doctor. She says she being Dr. Tony Bark. We never said, "Oh my God, your kid, your kid could die." Oh my God, this this is a deadly disease. It's become that. Well. That may be a fair point. It may be because you know I was thinking about last week's show. Was I was I being a little too overzealous about you know how bad measles can be? Look, measles can be bad. It, it's for most people, most kids that get the measles, they it runs its course and it's not terrible. But it can be bad, and you know we've got over seven hundred cases in the United States now. And some people are being hospitalized because it's it's gotten that bad for them. It can 
result in like uh, uh, brain inflammation. It can result in um, uh, deafness. You, you, it can uh, result in death. These are very rare, but that can happen. You want to take that risk? Do you want to get that sick? I'm, you know. So the article says in in 1969, the year that the Brady Bunch episode came out, there were more than 25,000 measles cases in the United States, and 41 deaths, according to data from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. It was six years after the vaccine was developed, and the vast majority of people who got sick with measles fully recovered, as they do today. So, it, it's um, it's not the end of the world to get measles. True, but why put subject yourself to an illness that is completely preventable? Again, no vaccine's a hundred percent, and you know they're not a hundred percent that it's effective and a hundred percent safe. But they're very safe. They're very effective. And you know some vaccines are more effective than others, but still, you know the part, the thing about the flu, which I talked about last week, and about why that's different, um, you know why maybe it's only 50% effective in the last couple of winters uh, or flu seasons, is because there's so many different strains of the flu, and the you know in our country in the United States, the CDC, the, Center, uh, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention they figure out which strains are most likely to be the ones heading to the United States in the next flu season. And then they they design the vaccines toward those. And sometimes a strain comes in that they didn't expect to ha- that would come. Uh, sometimes there's a new one that they didn't you know, they didn't even know about, and they have to develop a vaccine that'll deal with that. And so sometimes that happens. That's why they're not, you know, the, the, the flu vaccines may only be 50% effective in, in, a, in a flu season because different ones came out than they thought that would. You know, it's, kind, it's a bit of a guessing game. But with the measles, it's not, I don't think there's several different strains of measles. So, uh, there might be. I could be wrong. Let me know. Send me an email at drdim at dimland.com. D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. So they're using the Brady Bunch, a sitcom, and a really silly one, and a dopey one, to uh, you know, that, to say that, see, it's not a big deal. Um, which, okay, it's not... But still, you don't need them. It's just get your vaccines. And Maureen McCormick... Who plays? Uh, who played Marsha? Uh, she was upset when she learned about this. She was upset for a couple reasons. One, she didn't give her permission to have her image used in that way, which I don't know if if the uh, you know, if if she if she would need to give her permission or not. I don't know if there's any kind of copyright issues. The show was been off the air for I don't know how long, but of course, well, I mean, hasn't been new for how long, right? It's been stopped production in the early '70s. I mean, Cousin Oliver showed up and just like, okay, well, we got to get a cute little kid on there. All the other little kids aren't cute anymore. That's what they had to do. Anyway, so she was upset about that. But she's also upset, and she said, and I, and I got her quote here. She says, as, as a mother, I vaccinated my daughter. So she's, um, uh, or she, she says, uh, here's the quote. As a mother, my daughter was vaccinated. 
and the son of Sherwood Schwartz. Sherwood Schwartz is the producer that created the Brady Bunch, and he created Gilligan's Island and a bunch of other crappy shows in the 60s and 70s. Um, his son, said, you know, Sherwood Schwartz has died, for, had been dead for a while now, but his son is saying that his father would be sorry to hear about this because he says his father was pro-vaccination. He had all he, he got, all his kids have been vaccinated, so it's to you to the, have these people use that to, to say, ah, come on, you don't even have to bother. Measles, it's like falling off a log. See how e happy the the Brady kids are. I believe the article even says that Marie McCormick said that she did have measles. I mean, not in the show, but she herself at some point had measles, and she said it was awful. It wasn't just, oh, isn't it great to have measles? If you're going to be sick, might as well have measles. No, 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 no. That's just not, that's just silliness. Absolute silliness. Let's see, what have I got now? Um, oh, yeah, before I get to my next thing, I wanted to mention that uh, last weekend, Amy and Hayden, my, our, uh, Amy, my wife, Hayden, our son, we went to see uh, this little-known film, uh, you may have heard about it. Uh, it's a Disney's Marvel's Avengers Endgame. I don't know if that's a Disney's Marvel's, but Avengers. We went to see. It's the end of this this phase of the Marvel Comics universe of films, and I don't. It's, I heard something like, it's like 22 films. I think that's what what it is. I, th I think that's what it, it, that that's, that makes up this whole thing, and it it. It, it it essentially started with uh, with Iron Man, and you know th yes there were other superhero you know, Marvel superhero movies before that, but uh, with this this connecting and re weaving its way through to the ultimate battle with Thanos, you know started with the Iron Man with Iron Man and has made its way through, and it's it's so the the conclusion of this. This phase, because there's the the movies are going to go on, but the conclusion of the big moment of it has come to an end, and uh, so we went to see it, and um, I wish I could say that I've seen all the 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 uh, the MCU films. I've missed what would be the the most the recent two prior to the uh, Avengers one, and that would be uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. Didn't see that one yet, and the Captain Marvel movie. Haven't seen that one yet. It would have been helpful a little bit to have seen those movies before seeing Endgame, but I pretty much picked up on the ideas behind it. It would have been a little. You know, I, I've heard mixed reviews of the Captain Marvel movie, um, and uh, I, but I've heard good things about Ant Man and the Wasp. So the movies. If, let me tell you something. Uh, if you've listened to my show for any amount of time, you know that I uh, collect comic books now. I'm not as active a collective com uh, comic book collector as I used to be. In about the year 2000, I pretty much stopped collecting regularly, but every now and then I pick up something. And when I was reg a regular comic book collector, I started collecting comic books, uh, I guess it would be in the early 70s. We moved into the neighborhood that uh, my parents live in and that we did, that we essentially live in, uh, Amy and I and Hayden. We, we pretty much live in the same neighborhood, which is just a mile away from my parents. But they moved into that house in 1973 in the summer, and kids in the neighborhood had uh, shown me this this, uh, this drugstore that was a few blocks away that had comic books. And I remember announcing that to 
uh, to my, my my brothers and my sister. That's yeah, there I've got comic books. And they say, oh no, just oh no, it's down there. So and so brought me down there. Let's go. They got comic books. So it was there, but I was never a super serious collector of comic books. I just would like that cover, and I said, oh, I want that one. And if I had twenty cents or whatever it was at the time, <laughs> you know, in my day, uh, you could buy a quarter, you could buy a comic book for twenty cents with no tax. You just you could buy you buy five comic books for a dollar. Today, it's like a comic book is five dollars. So anyway, um, I wouldn't. I would if I like the cover, I buy it. And, and and my older brother bought some comic books that I liked, and so I would look at his. And but then in about 1977 or so, a friend of mine in those days was a serious comic book collector. He would buy titles because there'll be a storyline running through them just like these movies these avengers movies there's a storyline that's going through all these all the you know iron man and thor and 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 the guardians of the galaxy there's a storyline that's that's weaving its way through to a conclusion in the comic books though there wasn't necessarily a conclusion there'd be a conclusion of a story arc but the title would go on so anyway he showed me that, and he had these cool comic books. And one of the titles he got was The Avengers. And it became my favorite. I started buying The Avengers and it became my favorite title. I also started buying X-Men those, in those days. And that would be like my second favorite. And I was buying Marvel comic books because that's the kind of guy I was. I was a Marvel comics guy. So I was really into The Avengers. And, so I, and, and, and when I got older and was making some money, not much, but making some, I would start buying back issues, and I tried to get as many of the old uh, Avengers comic books as I could. And uh, there are a few that have uh, uh, that have managed to elude me because, well, quite frankly, they're way too expensive <laughs> for me to afford. But um, I've got most of all the first 200 issues. I'm just missing a handful of them. But uh, like I think at most, I think like five or six that I'm missing. And uh, and it's so it, the Avengers was great, and I can remember being a kid, and uh, the TV shows would have at the, in, in the seventies that they started to introduce superhero TV shows, attempting to. Uh, they had uh, an attempt at Spider-Man. Eh, the character didn't look quite right. The costume was close, but not quite. And then they they came up with a Captain America. <laughs> Captain America didn't look that shield didn't look like it could stop a feather. It was just it's just yeah. He, he he rode a motorcycle, which is not I'm not against riding motorcycles, but it just it just no didn't look right. There was Wonder Woman, yes, that's 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 DC, but she was at least pleasant to look at. But the series was just kind of dumb, and there was the Hulk. You know, with with Bill Bix, Bill Bixby is that his name? I think that's his name. And uh, Lou Ferrigno playing the the Hulk, and Bill Bixby, yeah, that's right, isn't it? He he played David Banner, which is not the right name. The name of the character was Robert Bruce Banner, not David Bruce Banner, uh, uh, or uh, yeah. David, Robert, David, no, yeah, David Bruce Banner. It was Robert Bruce Banner, and he went by Bruce in the comic books, but they went by David in the show, and I don't know why, they just did. I heard that it was a production snafu, but I somehow I don't know if that's true. 
that, that they, they had got too much done, too much produ- production work done, and they got a gravestone made and all that kind of stuff for them, and they couldn't change. I, I don't know if I buy it. I think they just decided not to go with Bruce. And they said, well, how about David? Okay. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Anyway, even, even that show, it was just, eh, it's sort of, the show was sort of like The Fugitive, where you, you, in The Fugitive, it was a doctor who was accused of killing his wife, which he didn't do. It was a one-armed man who'd done it, and then you know David Jansen played the fugitive guy, and so he's the whole series is him trying to find and clear his name and capture the one-armed man. Well, the Hulk series wasn't exactly that, but you know David Bruce Banner. Everybody believes he's dead, so he becomes a drifter, and he and he and he turns into the Hulk to help help out people with their problems. <laughs> you know, it's just and it's just it was just dumb. I'm sorry. There were a lot of there were some decent dramas back in the '70s and decent comedy shows back in the '70s, but a lot of television was was just dumb. <laughs> you know, Welcome Back, Cotter was just dumb. It's just it's just it just was dumb. Happy Days started out great in its first season or two when it was not in front of a live audience, then it went in front of a live audience, and it became dumb. Now, of course, this is just my opinion. I could be wrong. It's art. It's subjective. It's whatever you like. But as far as I'm concerned, they were bad. And these some of these dramas were just terrible. And, and that, you know, it, none of the superhero stuff worked. And I can remember being a kid thinking, oh, if they could just make it work, you know, if they, if they could just, I don't know, if they could come up with some way of using computers to create graphics that look so real that they could then design these movies so that they could do the kind of stuff that we see in the, that drawn in the comic books, if only that could happen. Now, I don't know if I thought exactly that as a kid, but I know I was hoping for something that I would think that was cool. And then it happened. It's and that's that's pretty cool, <laughs> and getting to see uh, all these star, uh, uh, these Marvel movies, the Avengers movies, and then we saw Endgame, which by the way I thought was terrific. I thought it was ent- entertaining. It didn't feel like three hours. Maybe a couple of moments could have been trimmed, but come on. It, 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 we even sat through all the credits, which by the way I will spoil this for you. There is no end thing at the end of the credits. I think that was known prior there. But we sat through the credits, and I didn't. I, I was able to get through the movie without having to go pee. I did when it was done. But it's it it was so really good. There were some really satisfying moments, and and it was really you know heart uh, wrenching moments. Uh, almost a tear in my eye. A couple of moments. There was really exciting things, and there were there were moments where we went the, the opening weekend. There was a fair amount of people there. We went in earlier in the day. And um, there were a couple of moments, and I won't tell you what was going on, but it was when um, some characters show up. You know, and that's about as close as I'll get to, you know, because I don't want to spoil it for you. But the reactions, you could hear some reactions through the, through the audience, these gasps and, and almost cheers. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it was really good, and it was satisfying, and it, it, it happened so nicely. It was just such a wonderful thing, and to for me, as a comic book nerd, comic book geek, uh, to be able to have that, that wish that I had as a kid in 1970-something, to have that fulfilled, you know, 30-something, 40-something years later, 40-something years later, to have it fulfilled... You know that's 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 pretty neat. 
Don't you think that's neat? I think that's neat. You know what else is neat? Did I make my next break? Yes, I did. That's what. That's what's neat. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I will return. You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Grandpa, look what I got. Wait till you see the bike we got for Jake. It is the coolest. Hearing loss happens gradually with age, making it easy to ignore. Yet most older Americans aren't getting their hearing tested. Dad, can you hear me? Untreated hearing loss can keep your loved ones from enjoying what they cherish most. Don't let that happen. Speak up about hearing loss. You'll be glad you did. Brought to you by the American Speech-Language Hearing Association. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. If this station is not your cup of tea... Then drink coffee! 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 Drink coffee! 100% news. 100% information. 100% guarantee. But you might say that. <laughs> You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. Okay, so I listened to a podcast, which I know you know I listen to this because I've talked about it before, and it's called Stuck in the 80s. I've listened to it for uh, 11 years. I think it came on. It, they've been around for like 12 or 13 or 14 years or something like that. Um, so I didn't come on right away, but I heard about them from a friend. He said, hey, you, you like this podcast. So uh, I started listening to it, and, uh, and I do like it. I've actually uh, been a guest co-host on it a handful of times. It's been a while since I've been on it, but uh, I've been on it. And uh, I used to write for the blog. Uh, on occasion, I would uh, do a piece called uh, Never Found in the 80s, which was about um, alternative music from the 80s, bands that were that didn't make it big in the mainstream, but uh, that never had a top 40 hit and uh, you know, during the 80s. 
And so I would profile them. I think I did about 100 of those. Um, there was another fellow that was writing for them, and he was doing this thing called Lost and Found, which he would do songs that might have been by bands that we all know uh, from the 80s, but uh, might not have been as familiar with those songs. They were bands that had hits, but maybe this was a secondary hit or a deep cut that uh, that, uh, that came out and was on, got some radio play, but then uh, then was forgotten. So he would do that, and then... That's he and his series inspired me to suggest that maybe I do write about alternative bands exclusively, and you know we call it Never Found in the '80s. He called his Lost and Found. So, so I've been involved with the show, and now I'm just pretty much a listener, and I send in some comments once in a while, either privately through Facebook, and I'll talk to the the group of uh, of hosts. There's three of them, and I'll, I'll just talk to them, or I'll just individually I'll say stuff to them or whatever. But most of the time, it's just kind of lay back and listen now. And um, I was laying back and listening. Well, I wasn't. I was working, but I was listening to a more recent episode, and they were talking about things that uh, that have held up from the '80s. That you look back at it now, and it's still. It's still pretty good, and they had a bunch of different categories. You know, like candy. What kind of candy that was that was big in the '80s is still pretty good now. That you still think is pretty good, and, and uh, uh, what what movies from the '80s that uh, we thought were pretty good that's still pretty good now, and that kind of stuff. And they mentioned um, some uh, John Hughes, who made all kinds of uh, movies in the '80s. Uh, most many of them, most of them had to do with uh, sort of a, a coming-of-age, you know, teenagers figuring out life movies. And they mentioned The Breakfast Club. And that got me thinking about that movie and how I reacted to it when I saw it originally. Now, the movie was released in uh, February of, uh, of 1985. I was in my second year of art school by that time. And I was 20. So... You know, I listen to the hosts of the show, and it, 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 um, Steve Spears is the main host, and then he's got his main co-host, uh, Brad Williams. They're both about two, maybe three years younger than I am. And then there's Jen with one N. She's a pretty regular co-host, but she's not on every show, but she's pretty regular. Uh, she's she's got I think she's in her forties, so she's a bit quite a bit younger. But um, the, so maybe my perspective of Breakfast Club was a little different because I was 20 and here I'm watching a movie about a bunch of teenagers in high school and having their problems. And uh, so I remember having a, um, there was an impromptu conversation in the common room down in the basement of the art school that I was going to uh, with the, uh, the dean of students. He was a new dean to the school and I think he, he came in during my first year and so he was still pretty new, and he was uh, we, he was talking with us. And the big movie at the time was Breakfast Club, and some of us, you know, art students had seen it. And and uh, he was asking what we thought about it. And I remember bringing up now this is this is something that uh, may be just particular to to me, although I'm sure there are other people that have the same perspective. But uh, I I found it. You know, I, I found myself kind of thinking when I was listening to him, and I was and doing research for this little bit here, and and re-listening to the letter at the end, the little paper, essay they were supposed to write to give to their vice principal as to who they think they are, and it's read by uh, Anthony Michael Hall, who plays the geek, the nerd, the brain, 
you know, that that kid. Um, and I read and I was listening to it, and I had this 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 not exactly overwhelming desire, but I had this urge to say, "Shut up, kid." <laughs> I know it's terrible. <laughs> you know, shut up. You think you got problems? Shut up. You ain't got problems. You don't know nothing. <laughs> and I think I had a little bit of that when I was 20. <laughs> I mean, just imagine when it's like now I'm 54. But then I realized. So, so one of the things I brought up was I, I said, you know, a couple of the characters I can understand their their reasoning, but every one of these kids just blame their parents for their problems. They're just blaming their parents. But now that I look back at it and think of it, I say, well, well, yeah, I guess, I guess that's, I guess that's accurate. I mean, even, even though I still think that a couple of the kids really had true gripes to make about their parents, but, well, they're, they're teenagers, they're living at home, their parents are the biggest influences on their lives, you know, pretty much, because they're living under their roofs, and they're dealing with their stuff, and so, yeah, okay, I'm willing to give them, I'm, uh, it's, yeah, you know, I'm willing to sh to holster that shut up kid <laughs> and say, yeah, you've got a point, yeah, but don't worry, you know, I mean, deal with it, it's tough, You're, you'll get through it, it, you know, you'll get, just, I understand. But see, I never had those kinds of problems with my parents. I was one of those kids that just, I was never embarrassed by my parents, I never, I, my relationship with them has always been good, I... I just I don't know I just I just never I never felt over pressured by them to do well at school or do well in life or something you know I just I've always felt their support and help and all that I don't know well okay so um that was one thing that was a problem but there was a couple other things that I thought about that movie that irked me at the time now. Remember, I was in art school, and I went through, when I got into art school, and I first started there, right out of high school, in the fall of 1983, and into a good portion into the year, I still had some of that, the, the high school stuff. You know, I was still wearing my high school jacket. Uh, and, and one student said, man, you're not in high school anymore. You know, put that behind you, essentially. Uh, I don't know if those are his exact words, but you're still wearing your high school jacket. Let's go, you know. And that got me thinking. And it was you know, he was. I think he was essentially telling me, he says, you know, this is a chance to just kind of make your own person to break the high school stuff. When you're in high school, you want to be like everybody else, right? You want to be, you want to fit in and and be accepted and all that kind of stuff. He says, break out of that. Become an individual. Do your thing, man. Find your thing. So I did, and I started hanging with the punks and the art punks, and the you know, and I kind of got that way myself. And I did weird hairstyles, and I'd wear unusual-looking clothes, and I'd be kind of odd-looking, and listen. To, and I started listening to the the dangerous underground music of the time, and it, it just I, I I broke away from that. I was different. I wanted to be different, but I was trying to be different from even the other people being different. You know, there's 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 sometimes you know when when people try to be different they're they they're, they're quite similar to the group with which they're in so they're all different in the same way <laughs> i i strove to be different as just me i tried to 
So I didn't look exactly like the punks, and I didn't look exactly like I don't know, like the goths or whatever whoever was around. I wasn't quite exactly, but I fit in with them. So one time I, I showed up in, in in school, and I was wearing. Now I wear all black now, but back then I was I was wearing just some weird, odd, you know, striped pants, uh, double-breasted uh, black, not black, uh, brown, uh, you know, sports coat. Uh, uh, and 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 a and a, and a long dress shirt with uh, the bright red with white and blue circles on it, and I come walking in, and I got blue tennis shoes on, and I got my hair done up in 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 dippity doo or whatever it was. So they had this weird shapes to my hair and a friend I was going to school with looked at me and said, "Man, you look like you're like the the manager of the monkeys." <laughs> so it was that kind of thing. So watching Breakfast Club. You got these five kids. You, know, you got the jock. You got the you got the rebel. You got the the princess, and you've got uh, the nerd, and you got the outcast kid. You know the the girl who's this oddball. Now the girl who's the the outcast. The, it, I'll tell you the mindset of us art students. My group that, that I hung out with and me, we all thought she was interesting, and I think everybody agreed with me when I brought up this point. One. No, this this was I didn't bring this up. I kept it to myself. I thought the movie movie pulled a bait and switch. Like they were headed toward getting the girl, uh, the the outcast girl, hooked up with the nerd. I thought the nerd's going to get the girl. That never happens. The nerd never gets the girl. <laughs> He's like, is this going to is that can that happen? Because she seemed like she was sending some signals to him. That's what I thought, as I recall in the movie. But no, she ended up with the jock, which is, you know, that's real life. <laughs> the nerd didn't get the girl. The jock did. Yeah, that bothered me. Because I, I knew it too well. <laughs> it hit too close to home. But then, of course, I was never much of, a, of going after women. So, you know, yeah. but I've got one now. And that's fine. But in, back in those days, I just, Anyway. So that bothered me. But what really got my group, us, us art punks and goths and whatnots that saw this movie, was that, if you recall, you know, Ali Sheedy played this this, this girl, uh, her name was Allison, and she had this, you know, black hair kind of in her face, and she had a big black sweater on, and she had this odd way of behaving, and she was artistic, she would do this drawing, she had, you know, she had dandruff, so she would turn the, the drawing into a, you know, snow, landing on the drawing with her dandruff, and that kind of thing just for a joke and so she was she was unusual she was you know she wasn't she was an oddball to the rest because the rest of them were like yeah you know there's a whole bunch of jocks like you at the school and there's a whole bunch of rebel guys like you at the school there's a whole bunch of princesses like you and a bunch of nerds like you but there's not a bunch of those goth emo pre-emo but she was like you know there's not like she probably listened to the smiths and listened to the cure right and then what happens in the movie? Claire, the princess, played by Molly Ringwald, just turns her into her. Turns her into a Claire. Turns her into a princess. You know, gives her a makeup. And then we went, you they made her normal. And we went, ugh. <laughs> she was interesting. And you just took away her interesting and you made her normal. You made her like everybody else. 
which I guess is what teenagers want to be. They want to be like everybody else. They just want to fit in. I guess that may be it. So maybe it reflects reality, but that really bothered me. They took the most interesting character and made her normal. You know? So she was into the Smiths and the Cure, and then all oh, she's into AHA and, and, and Loverboy. Ugh. Just, they had to make her normal. Uh, so, it's I, st I still enjoyed the movie, but I don't know. I, if I watch it again now, I wonder if that, you know, shut up kid would be a little too tempting for me. Good night, Adolfo. Good night, Frau Blucher. Well, look at that. I came to the end of another Dimland radio. Well, you know what I say. Be skeptical. Get your vaccines. <laughs> and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Uh, you've been listening to Jimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. And I am your host, Jim Dr. Dem Fitzsimmons, reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for, for tuning us in. in. Bonjour, Monsieur Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people. Well, well I'm going to hell. Oh, hey. Uh, I, I, I've almost forgot to do a cool thing. So why don't I do it as a as an epilogue? I saw this on Facebook today. I have a Facebook friend, who's a very nice fellow. He uh, volunteers uh, in this organization called Team Rubicon. Now I'm not going to say his name, but uh, he's a really nice fellow. And he was on a, he was having a bit of a conundrum over the uh, for more than a week. There's been this car parked out where he near where he lives, and there's obviously a guy living in the car. And he says uh, he never sees him get out of the car, sees him, you know, he sees him in different changes of clothes, and there's a refrigerator, a mini refrigerator on the back of the car, 
and he's just he's wondering what he should do. So he opened it up to Facebook. What should I do? And there were people that said, "Well, call the police," and and uh, there were people that said, "Well, you do you know, maybe you know call some social worker uh, organization," or and one person suggested maybe you know contact the Salvation Army. These these people have experience dealing with this sorts of thing. There were people that said, "You know, don't call the cops," and you know they might beat them up or something. And you know there was it got to be a little debate on that. And one person told him to wait for the right moment, introduce yourself, and ask if the man needs help. So that's what this my friend, uh, Facebook friend, decided to do. And so I'll read what he wrote about what happened. Uh, he said, I kept checking on the guy every few minutes and finally saw him put his hood up and pull out jumper cables. Perfect. There's that perfect phrase. See, there it is right there. Everybody says perfect now. It's, it's the new awesome. Anyway, perfect. I know what to do. I went over and introduced myself and asked him if he needed a jump. Uh, dead battery, jumper cables, you connect them to another car's battery, you know, for you people who live in California. <laughs> in the winter climbs, jumper cables are needed in cars. Absolutely. Uh, uh, California people probably know what jumper cables are, but just in case. Okay. Um, uh, I asked him if he needed a jump. He did, but, but his alternator was shot. Uh, he had already purchased a new one, but couldn't quite replace it on his own. I gave him a jump and let his battery charge for a bit and talked to him. He's a handyman, does landscaping, painting, etc. He's looking for work. He has a sister he can stay with if he can get his car running. The refrigerator is something he was hoping to sell for some money. It's nearly new. He kept offering to pay me for helping. Not a chance. I'd do this for anyone in any circumstance. He said the neighbors had been very nice to him, dropping off sandwiches for him, etc. It was clear to me that he was nervous and was desperate to talk for someone to talk to, but primarily he wanted that alternator fixed. I jumped him, uh, meaning his battery, not him. <laughs> jumped to get the battery charged. And he's on his way to have his alternator replaced. He was very grateful. But I could have done a lot more. I could have replaced the, his alternator. 1996 Ford Focus, very easy replacement. Or I could have bought his refrigerator. Or I could have given him some work. Oh well, I did something. Even in, even if it was the least of things. Hey, you did something. I'm not sure I'd know what I would have done in that situation. I think that what my Facebook friend here did was pretty cool. And I hope you've had at least one cool thing happen for you this week. <laughs>